Hello and welcome to the Time On Screen Podcast. This is a worn and wound podcast where we talk about movies and time and watches and the intersection of all of those things. Um, I'm really happy to be joined by uh, a pair of guests who are making their Time On Screen uh, debuts today. Uh, my worn and wound colleagues, uh, Nellie Calhoun and Nina Flanders. Nellie, Nina, welcome to Time On Screen. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Same. Super excited to talk about this movie. This is Nellie, by the way. Um, Nellie, you've uh, you've made a couple of appearances on Warner Wound Podcast in the past to yep. uh, talk about Wind Up Your R uh, Events Manager. Uh, this is your first time yeah. talking about a film. So um, that, how is this different? Does this feel a little different ever. for you being on to talk about a, a movie? Well, yeah, it's very exciting. And it's a little bit personal. My my partner in my life is a film podcast producer. So it feels like a fun turn of the tables to, to I'm the one who he accompanied to the movie theater to watch a movie again while I took notes. So that was really fun for me. Yeah, you're uh, <laughs> also shout out blank check. Yes. I was going to say, we listen. definitely need to shout out blank check. Your partner is the uh, producer, Ben Hosley of, of, of blank check fame. One of the best, Movie podcast in the game. I can only aspire to get like a percentage of the of the of of what they do in terms of like movie podcasting. They're fantastic. So we're gonna give it a a good go today. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. I so. And uh, and Nina, welcome. This is your first Warner Wound podcast of any kind. Uh, you're kind of like the customer service face of of Warn and Wound. Yeah, so I manage um, customer service for the Wind Up Watch Shop. So anytime you have any watch worries, um, it's usually me chatting with you about those. So I'm excited to be here. And you also, uh, when when people come in, you you offer a service where you can come in and talk about watches in person uh, as well in our Brooklyn office, right? Absolutely. You can schedule an online consultation and you could choose to meet with me. You could meet with Ricardo um, and we can go anyth over anything specific that you're interested in purchasing. That's awesome. Well, it's great to have you both uh, here. So we're talking about Barbie today, uh, Greta Gerwig's uh, adaptation of the famous Mattel toy, the, the doll uh, that has been uh, part of our lives uh, culturally for, for decades now. Uh, Barbie's, I think, the movie of the summer. I don't know, would you guys agree? Like this is the, it's, it's made over a billion dollars and it's, uh, it's a juggernaut. Absolutely. I feel like in the summer, I don't really go to the movies a lot. I'm often, honestly, like traveling on the weekends or out and about. But this was a movie I was not going to miss seeing in theaters. Yeah. Whatsoever. It was, it was really an event, I think, partly because of it was released the same weekend as Oppenheimer, of course. Um, and there's just a ton of interest in getting back to the to the theaters, uh, you know, to see like these like, you know, big kind of like prestigious movies. Did you guys both go uh, like early on in the run, like when people were dressing up and, you know, really kind of making it an event? Yes, I saw some beautiful Barbies at the movie theater when I went to go see it. Um, everyone had their I, I went down the street from the office um, and yeah, everyone had their looks on and ready to go. And it was a really fun kind of group of people to watch a movie with. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I also went that first weekend and it was funny. It was like so hot in New York. I have this one like tent like pink dress that I just wear whenever I don't want any anything touching my body because it's so hot and I was out on Friday night 
And I was like, oh, everyone's going to think I'm headed to see Barbie. But in fact, it's just really sweaty in New York. But I did wear it again to go to the movie. Of course. (laughs) Got to wear Barbie pink. pink. Um, I saw it. Uh, I also saw it on opening weekend, and uh, there were a lot. Of, it was a packed theater, and people were very festive and and, and dressed up. And it was. Um, I have to admit, it was kind of a fun environment to see this um, see this movie, and it's just good to see people excited. Um, I totally. I feel like the first time I saw people dress up for the movies was with the Little Mer the Little Mermaid that came out recently. Oh, and. Now people are dressing up for the movies again. I feel like it was an old thing and now well, it's been brought back. Well, you're making me feel old because what I was going to say is like all of the Harry Potter movies, I feel like were the first time that, you know, I was old enough to be like participating and going to the movies with my friends and, st- you know, the midnight release and dressing up and all of that stuff. So if six months ago was your first time. That makes me feel old, Nina. No, no. I'm an old Barbie Don't now. get. I was there at the Harry Potter releases. Okay. Yeah, I was definitely a little sure. Harry, Harry Potter girl. But uh, I'm older than both of you uh, considerably. For me, the touch point is uh, like the Star Wars re-releases. Like that's mm-hmm. when I first saw people like dressing up like, yeah. uh, like those, like, you know, very particular type of nerd, you know, the Star Wars nerd and, you know, lots of... Oh. Uh, Lots of costumes when when those movies hit hit theaters. Um, before we get too deep into into Barbie talk, this is of obviously a watch podcast. We work for a watch company. There will be some watch talk uh, as it re- relates to Barbie, but uh, we always do a wrist check uh, on these podcasts. Are, are you guys wearing watches? What, and what are you wearing? Of course, of course. Um, so I'm wearing a vintage Universal Geneve. That I picked up from Eric Wind at the Chicago Wind Up Watch Fair in 2022. Beautiful. That's a great watch. It's a, it's great a classic. Zach helped pick me out. I will shout out to Zach. Thank you for helping me choose. It was my first like big watch purchase that I made. Yeah, so, it's beautiful. Thanks, I mean, a Universal Genève is your first like big watch purchase. Is like that's pretty good. Like it's hard to hard to yeah. beat that. I will say I have, I have very good advisors in the team here to tell me what's cool and what's for later in my collecting life. <laughs> we um we advise and we also enable. That's a big part of uh, of what That's we do true. here. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Nina, are you wearing a watch currently? Um, currently I'm not wearing a watch, but if I was, I would be wearing the Adapt Series One in carbon. Bring in the shop. Mm-hmm. For sure. Fantastic choice. Yeah. Fantastic choice for a hypothetical that- watch. What <laughs> are you wearing on your wrist today? Uh, thank you for asking. I'm wearing um, a, uh, it's uh, a really, we released this over the summer. It's the, uh, the Vero Adapt uh, Workhorse Limited Edition. Um, very summery watch. Um, I feel like it's kind of colorful and sort of the same way that Barbie is sort of like a, incredibly colorful, vibrant movie. And um, it definitely still feels like summer. We're recording this in the first, uh, well, now into the second week of uh, September, but it's been very, very hot um, in the Northeast. So summer's last gasp. I feel like, you know, wear the summer watches while you can. Yeah. Plus that's definitely, you know, and we'll get into this. If Ryan Gosling wasn't a tag Hoyer <laughs> brand ambassador, he would be wearing that watch as Ken rollerblading I was in Venice. I think so. Like that's that's the watch. I think if we were going to do some alternative 
watch casting, um, that would be um, that would be a wise choice, I think, for sure. I think it would it would fit mm-hmm. fit the character quite well. Um, so this is a you know on this podcast we we spoil movies. So if you haven't seen Barbie and you want to be surprised, it's kind of a hard movie to spoil, I think. Um, but in any case, if you if you don't want any hint of like any of the big set pieces or anything, uh, you know, having to do with the ending uh, of Barbie um, or the plot of Barbie, um, you know, maybe come back and give us a listen uh, a little later down the line because we will certainly um, be spoiling it. Um, for the uh, for those of you, just a little bit of a background. Barbie is uh, obviously uh, directed by Greta Gerwig, uh, released earlier this summer. Uh, the plot involves a, um, a, a. It's so hard to even describe the plot because it's so, it's a it's a deeply strange movie, and I want to talk to you guys about yes why it's so strange. But Margot Robbie plays Barbie, and there are also like other Barbies living in Barbie Land, and the it, the movie is basically about Barbie like realizing her humanity, kind of, and coming to grips with it. Yeah. Is that really that's what it's about, right? Yeah, I think Barbie is like a stand-in for like woman, right. any woman. But yeah, I mean, in actuality, for sure, Barbie, Barbie Land, and the real world kind of become connected, and then Barbie needs to go to the real world to mend like the the tie between the worlds, and in that, sort of discovers her own humanity. Yeah. With some crazy hijinks along the way, of course. She's sort of like gaining consciousness mm-hmm. about the real world. Yeah. So it's this interesting performance, a difficult performance, I think, for Robbie. And it's so like it's a there's so much nuance in it because she's playing this like iconic figure in kind of American culture that doesn't really have human qualities, um, but then has to interact with other dolls and humans in this movie. It's very strange if you really step back and, and think about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very funny, almost like it's some iteration of an alien movie. It's like definitely a fish out of water movie, but Barbie's the alien (laughs) and she has to like learn the learn about life. So yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's it's weird and funny. I I think it's like a delightful, fun, awesome movie. It's one of my favorites of the year for sure. Um by far. By Absolutely. Far. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's hard to explain. If you haven't seen it, go see it. And if you haven't seen it, stop listening. And right if you've now. seen it once, see see it see twice. It again. See it again. Have you guys both seen it multiple times? I saw it twice. I went back to the theater knowing that we were that I was going to be speaking on the movie and I saw it again. I loved only, it the second time more than the first. Of course, that's when you catch all like this the little mm-hmm. details, the nitty-gritty. Yeah. I've only seen it once, but I'm going to go see it again at Nighthawk in Brooklyn where they kind of like serve you dinner while you watch your movie. Perfect place to see a movie. Yeah, I um I also had a chance to see it a second time uh, knowing we were going to record the podcast i decided it was worth uh revisiting so uh yeah you really i mean this is true with all movies as you said but you just you pick up on things uh that you don't um you know in a second viewing and it kind of like mm-hmm. i think it's always helpful to rewatch a movie uh like this that's so there's so many like little gags and jokes um yeah you know that are kind of like 
there's a lot of sight gags and like you just you pick up on things uh, mm-hmm. the second time that you don't see yeah the verse um sure. so i wanted to ask you guys we, t- we talked a little bit about um sort of like the weird qualities of this movie um what really like is there, what stands out to you as like really making it special um because i think that like there's a there's a lot of things that kind of like come into play here there's a you know there's the the originality of the production design and the script but also it feels like there's something um uh like Greta Gerwig really has like a perspective that she's like mm-hmm. you know um able to like get on screen here it's which is very uncommon for a summer blockbuster so i wanted to kind of yeah. get your thoughts on that so i think for me what made this movie so special was sort of in equal parts it was like sort of at first watch it was all of the little jokes and and gags and bits and like just these little moments the needle drops in this film are amazing just so many funny laughable moments i'll say like just off the top of my head like when barbie gets to california and is realizing that the real world isn't quite what it seems to be. And, you know, she's making little jokes of like, oh, let's go to a construction site. Like, we'll definitely find empowered women there. Or she looks up at a billboard and it's like the Miss Universe, um, (laughs) the Miss Universe contestants. And she's like, oh, the Supreme Court. Thank God. You know, all of those little funny bits of humor the sort of absurdist way that Barbie sees the real world, I think aren't alienating because they're just so silly, or at least for me, they weren't, Um, you know, there's obviously some, some truth to like how, how women are, are seen and move through the world. And that, you know, this ultimate figure of like stereotypically, high femme presentation of a woman like that she thinks she's solved everything and coming to terms with that i think there are a lot of great moments yeah when all of the kens are playing guitar on the beach like all of those moments to me are just so funny just like the premise that the movie opens with of like the barbies are under the impression that barbie has like kind of like like help the world like solved all the problems of gender inequality yeah. in the world i think it's just mm-hmm. such a like a perfect kind of place to start the movie because it allows yeah. gerwig to dive into like both sides of that like you can make the argument that totally. like barbie did have a you know, positive continues to have a positive impact on on you know yeah. like, like these feminist ideas and you can also argue like the exact opposite and both of those things kind mm-hmm. of play out i think throughout the film yeah and it's such a fine line i feel like to walk like especially when you're making these kind of scenarios humorous it can be really difficult to accomplish and I I really felt like I mean I thought it was hilarious too but I thought everyone really feels that way like they really enjoyed watching those scenes where Barbie was kind of exploring those like moments in the real world yeah it's true it is a really fine line um and obviously not like I've read a lot, of course, on the internet. People really hate this movie or, you know, think it's like man-hating or that it's just this crazy feminist agenda. But I felt personally that it was like a really 
a really um, beautiful exploration of like what it means to what it feels like to be a woman in the world. Like at at any given point in my life, like I've equally felt like Barbie. I've equally felt like Gloria and I've equally felt like weird Barbie and also the daughter, you know, <laughs> like th- I think there is something that's like containing like womanhood is contains all of these different versions and we see representations of that throughout the film um in a lot of different ways yeah i'm uh, i'm glad you brought up the um the perception that there's this like man-hating element like to Mm -hmm. uh to this movie or to like just just even talking about this movie um i've wanted to you know i saw this movie like i said opening weekend and i've wanted to discuss it on the podcast but i think something that uh, nobody wants to hear is a bunch of like middle-aged white guys talking about Barbie. Like that's just not like no one needs that. So I'm glad to have, um, you know, your perspectives, um, you know, on the, on the podcast to to talk about it. I think it's necessary um, because the movie is like really about um, it's about, it's about feminism. It's about modern feminism. And um, you know, we should have a female perspective if we're going to um, discuss the movie, but you know, watching it, you know, obviously I appreciate the, you know, the way that you can relate to different, like the different Barbies and like the, both the mother and the daughter character, um, as a man watching it, you know, I think about like every man watching this movie has women in their lives, you know, and if you watch the movie from, you know, from that perspective and thinking about how, um, you know, like that the the women in your own life, you know, mother, partner, daughter, sister, whatever, um, like they're re- relating through relating to it through them. I think is like is how men should be kind of like viewing this movie. It's not about like yeah. hating men or um or or anything like that. It's just it's about empathy, really, which is kind of like one of the most powerful things movies can can do is like you know bring about empathy. For sure. And I think it's also interesting for men to look at this film through the lens of Ken. Like if Barbie's kind of the every woman, like Ken is the every man. And we see all of these different iterations of Ken and of Barbie. Certainly at the beginning, like Ken is just sort of an accessory to Barbie's life. You know, it's Barbie and Ken. There, Famously, there is no just Ken. Um, <laughs> but we see Ken go on this, his own journey in the real world and sort of rejecting, you know, the ideas of Barbie land and embracing patriarchy and horses specifically, (laughs) and then returning and bringing that to Barbie land. And we see Ken like have his own crisis of, of masculinity and like what it means to be a man. And I think Gerwig does a great job exploring also like how, you know, extreme feminism and extreme patriarchy, like by nature alienates other genders or sexes. Yeah. So it's like by the end of the film, they both sort of are are taking steps on their own, like releasing certain elements of their their lives. You know, Barbie's kind of letting go of being a doll, <laughs> being perfect. And Ken is letting go of his identity being attached only to to Barbie. Like we see, you know, towards the end of the film, Ken has the whole speech where he's like, 
after he's crying and Barbie goes upstairs and he's like, patriarchy's hard. Like it's hard to do. And I, you know, <laughs> I lost interest after the horses. And like, I just, I don't want to have to be sort of putting in, into this like hateful effort almost. Yeah. So I, I think like many people probably wrote this movie off as like a movie for girls, but like, it really does have a lot to teach all people about like empathy toward one another for sure and i think even taking it a step further i feel like as women we were also able to relate to ken because a lot of times in film the girl is really just just ken or you know any other kind of movies Mm -hmm. so that like double-sided appeal was really cool yeah to see as well yeah and i think certainly like as someone who considers herself a feminist and sometimes you know, like annoyingly and staunchly so. Um, it was nice to like have the reminder as I, you know, move through the world that like the the systems that operate in our society and the way we relate to each other doesn't just affect one class or gender or sex or race of people. Like it affects everyone. Yeah. Oh, you know? 100%. And it's our collected responsibility to like try to make the world a better place. Yeah. It, um, I, I hundred percent agree with that. And it, uh, I think, you know, for me, one of the reasons this movie it will continue to kind of like be so enduring is that it like, it's, it's again, like this big mass market entertainment that explores mm-hmm. these complex ideas. Like it just blows my mind that like people are still, um, you know, like kind of, it's still making a ton of money. Like we're into September and like the yeah. movie is still like doing really well. People I think are kind of like craving a discussion about these things because, mm-hmm. you know, this it's doing a lot of repeat business and, you know, people are still, you know, I still see think pieces on like, you know, website, different websites. We're podcasting about it, you know, a few months yeah. after its release. <laughs> um, so it's, it's exciting to me as a movie fan um, that, there's a movie that's like so full of ideas that, mm-hmm. um, you know, we can all kind of like discuss. That's also like super entertaining. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like Barbie has kind of taken on like, obviously the summer blockbuster sort of slot, which we normally see for big, like DC or Marvel movies or superhero movies or, or movies that have, you know, are based on comics or other big, you know, like IP franchises and it's cool to see the version of like that type of movie through a totally different lens like i feel like i would go into watching a marvel movie or a superhero movie now with a different kind of understanding having seen something that spoke to me so directly yep it's a completely different way to handle IP, you know, because obviously like Barbie is this huge piece of IP and we can talk about um, kind of like the history of getting like Barbie on screen. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's it it just kind of blows my mind that like Mattel like signed off on this. Like there's stuff in this movie that is um, like really kind of like jabbing at Mattel like oh, throughout totally. it and like credit to them for like understanding the, the joke and the point that Gerwig, mm-hmm. the larger points that Gerwig is trying to make because it's so smart it would have been yeah. very there's a version of this movie that's just designed to sell toys you know right and 
Um, that's not what this is. And it's just kind of amazing that it like got, got to the screen. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, sorry, Nina, I'm also totally monopolizing this conversation, but I think there's something like all of the ways it wouldn't have worked if Mattel wasn't giving the permission slip to sort of have fun, like be poked at them. And it's interesting because I don't know where I was listening, some NPR thing where they were talking about the CEO of Mattel and sort of the new direction of what Mattel is doing, where they're turning away from toys and into IP. Mm -hmm. So we know that, that there are all of these like Mattel properties that are being are in development to become films like Hot Wheels and some other things, but it I never even thought for a second like what what who would go out and buy a Barbie after seeing this movie like I wouldn't I don't yeah. think that's the point of the movie at all. No, definitely not. What was your um? Do you guys have like a relationship with Barbie, like as a product? Like, so I have, a, I have a younger sister, and like I can remember like Barbie's kind of like being like in the household, but I don't think she was like you know like obsessed with them or or anything. It wasn't like a I don't know. It wasn't like a focal point. I don't think of her life. I'm curious if it if it was for either of you, and if that means anything. Do you think to the people who like kind of like came out and saw this movie? I didn't get the sense that people were into this movie because they like played with Barbies as children. I think there was something else happening. Yeah. I think it was definitely like a separation. Um, it wasn't necessarily like the kids are playing with Barbies and they want to see her on screen. Um, I think just especially like the talk that was around the movie that was coming out made it sound really special and just kind of interesting, like weird, like we were saying before. Um, me personally, I was an only child, so I was really lonely. So I loved playing with my Barbies. But then also I'm um when I was younger, it was the Bratz dolls that were like a really big thing Ooh, as well. Which get is get into those dolls. <laughs> <laughs> a little different, but I mean it's same idea, just playing with Barbies, I guess. Yeah. I had Barbies growing up. Um but I have one incredibly specific memory about Barbies, which I think is is pertinent to like what the idea of the film is. So I remember um, it was my half birthday, which I'm born on Christmas. So when you're born on Christmas, you celebrate your half birthdays with your friends. And my parents were like, OK, it's your half birthday <laughs> So we're going to do something special for you since, you know, your birthday is obviously <laughs> overshadowed by some other stuff. Um, and I remember like pleading with my mom, like, mom, I really want to go and get this one Barbie. It was like a boutique owner Barbie. She had a little cash register. I was obsessed with it. And whenever we went to the store, you know, one of the like big box stores, like I was beelining to the toy aisle to like look at this boutique owner Barbie. And I begged her and begged her and begged her and begged her. And she was like, okay, we'll go get it later. We'll go get it later. We're going to go do this other thing. And the other thing turned out to be a surprise birthday party for me with all of my friends where I was given boutique owner Barbie. But I remember so vividly being elated internally, but feeling like I already knew 
that it was like uncool and not right, quote unquote, to like Barbie because she was so stereotypical and, you know, such like that had already seeped into me. And I think I was maybe like six Mm. and wanting this Barbie. And then in front of my six year old peers (laughs) being like, I, I know I'm not supposed to want this or like this, but I do secretly love it. And that, that feeling at six years old, I feel like is exactly what this movie is exploring. Yeah. That's what Barbie was going through, moving through the real world yeah. as well. Yeah. I And I think there's such a theme in this film of like mothers and daughters. And, you know, obviously Ruth Handler, who's the creator of Barbie and creator of, you know, co-owner, founder of Mattel. Um, she created Barbie for her daughter. And I can't, I don't know the year offhand, but it must have been. I don't know. Was it the early 50s? 60s or 50s? Yeah, I think it was like late like 50s, early 60s. Late 50s. And so you have to think of like she was creating for her daughter like this perfect idea of like what she wanted the world to look like for her daughter, which was an independent woman who had her own money, who had her own car, who was unmarried, you know, was living independently and didn't need to rely on someone else. And it like what's so touching to me about this movie is really unpacking that idea and understanding that like we've evolved beyond where like just having your own house and car and money means like feminism is solved we've we've come to understand that it's i think collectively that it's so much more nuanced that there's so much more work to do you know all of this other all of these other huge factors like impact what it means to be a woman in the world now. And so there is this like internal like aspiration and rejection, aspiration toward and rejection of Barbie and the idea of that kind of being a woman in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I think that idea is really, it's like really illustrated in the movie and that early scene where Barbie like when she's first kind of in the real world and she goes to see the the daughter character at at her high school and she has that great speech kind of like cutting her down and explaining all of the reasons that you know um you know that Barbie has like kind of caused has been problematic for for women over the you know last several decades i think that kind of like in a nutshell is sort of like explains the conflict you know in the movie between you know, it's like a generational conflict you know uh, in one sense but it's also just this like idea um you know of how um of how people kind of view this um cultural you know like phenomenon in in all these different ways yeah absolutely not to segue but also there's been some internet lore about when barbie goes to the high school and she goes up to the four girls sitting at the cafeteria table because the daughter's name is sasha which infamously is a brat doll. Um, And the brat dolls were kind of like the new wave after Barbie, like I mentioned before. And so, you know, the internet's kind of like, those were the four brat dolls because, I mean... 
I think they certainly were. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, And I I also think that was just one of those small, like really smart things that they did Mm -hmm. kind of on the nose. Yeah. Snuck it in there. Yeah. There are so many good like Easter eggs and hidden gems in this movie. That being one yeah, of them. Yeah, it's very subversive, I think. Like, there's a lot mm-hmm. There's a lot going on. Let's talk about some of, like, the key, like, our favorite scenes. Um, the uh, For me, like, you know, early on, that, like, initial opening credits sequence that sort of, like, establishes, um, like, the weirdness of Barbie Land, like, really stands out to me. Like, you see her, yeah. um, like, drinking the, like, the, you know, the, the milk or whatever that's not there and kind of, like, floating, mm-hmm. like, down to her. Um, convertible and it kind of like immediately places you in this like very weird world that you're going to inhabit mm-hmm. for the next two hours that that is very effective. Yeah. And totally recognizable as like the world of play that Barbie lives in. Like having played with Barbies, you're like, yeah, of course. Like she, and I just think like Greta, uh, not Greta Gerwig, Margot Robbie's like mannerisms and the way she walks and holds her hands and like, her stylized movements are like so spot on in the beginning. And you watch her as she sort of like in Barbie land becomes more human, sort of that all unravels. She gets her flat feet. Yeah. What a, what a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I love that whole opening sequence. Is there anyone else you can imagine playing Barbie after seeing Margot Robbie in this role because I I don't know if you are aware as I have it in the in my notes here. Um, Amy Schumer was originally tagged as a as a yeah. potential Barbie. This movie would have been very different um, with Amy Schumer as Barbie. I think. Absolutely, very different. A totally different um, like message. I think. Oh, sorry, I didn't no, mean to interrupt. Was there also? I think the same time that they were thinking of. Amy Schumer, there was a different writer on board as well, right? And I think the whole deal with Amy Schumer was like, she, they're not really listening to the kind of message that I want to send. So I'm, I haven't read a lot, but I'm curious to know like what it was looking like before. Yeah. Yeah. I think like with the, with Greta Gerwig writing it, I can't imagine this movie working with almost anyone else. Like you need, like the Margot Robbie's acting in this movie is insane. Like she is incredible. Just the tiny little nuances, like to be a doll, to be a human, to, to show the, the change in the difference between the two. Like, I think it takes a really adept and skilled actor. I'm obviously there are many, many incredible women who are actors, but like, I'm glad we don't have to live in a world where we have to, know who else would have played this role because I think she is such a perfect fit for this part. Yep. She's great. She's great. I think um, it equally great casting choice is uh, Ryan Gosling as Ken. And um, you know, he's kind of, he's an actor who's kind of like been with us in our lives for, you know, over 20 years, well over 20 years now, we kind of have like a good understanding of like the roles that like, you know, Gosling, plays a kind of like traditional sort of like masculine type roles i think so of course this line my job is beach just beach i think that's um like i want to get that on a t-shirt i'm sure there is a t-shirt uh of that um but uh yeah but ken's introduction in this movie where he 
runs at the wave and crashes and, and into it and like does the you know like highly stylized like flip into the sand and is in, like it's all mm-hmm. just very very good slapstick comedy yeah okay i have a hot take about ryan gosling as ken please so first of all again i think he's like i think he's amazing i think this was really good casting I kind of feel like Ken in Barbie land was stylized to kind of look bad. Is that crazy to say? Like you see him. Okay. And obviously I know, I know how this sounds, but like he's incredibly tanned. Like the blonde of his hair is like yellow and fried (laughs) which may just be because he's had to bleach it but like he has roots he's like looking a little bit older and i can't imagine that that was not a choice given the attention to detail in every 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 other part of this movie i have to imagine that ken looking a little disheveled a little bit off or not disheveled certainly but like just something that wasn't quite as perfect as Margot Robbie. Whereas you look around at all of the other Kens and like Simu Lee is like perfectly quaffed in every way. All of the other Kens, like there's something about Ken in the establishing world where I'm like, something's off with him. He's He seems to also be the only one of any of the Barbies or the Kens in sort of the establishing world that has any kind of like grief or pain like yeah. Bart he's jealous and Barbie doesn't look at him and he wants to show off and he wants to have this like place in her world and in Barbie land and he doesn't get it and so there's something about like his physical appearance that I think mirrors that a little bit don't get me wrong he's still incredibly attractive I've never seen someone with so many abs but like there's something a little off about the way he's stylized, I think. And I think that's a choice. I feel like with because he was representing um, stereotypical Ken. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I think the same way with Margot Robbie. But Ken was a little more intense, like with the tan and that the hair was really a crisp white mm-hmm. blonde. Um, it was more it was like about the extremes. Yeah. Like yeah. the same way that Margot Robbie starts to feel it all as Barbie, like Ken's also feeling it all as yeah. as Ken. Yeah. Um, and so I I did really love like how intensified his look was, but yeah, it was sure. more dramatic than I feel the other Ken's, or more like um streamlined in a really specific yeah. way. Mm-hmm. I found his appearance almost like almost cartoonish. Like the, um, yeah, like the abs, like, are they real? Like, is that real? Like they don't, they don't look real. Is it possible? I don't know. I don't have my, that's not what I look like, you know, but my, you know, I don't have abs like that. Um, <laughs> it's like, there is something kind of like heightened and strange about the way he's stylized. I I would certainly agree with that. Yeah. This is a good uh, opportunity because we're talking about Ken to discuss like the big uh, watch spot in the movie. He's uh, after his experience in the uh, in the real world where someone asks him for the time and he realizes how important that like the time is. Um, we see him in Barbie Land wearing uh, three Tag Heuer chronographs, um, which is 
uh, quite the bold move. Um, I don't know. It, does that, uh, first of all, did you guys notice that in the movie, like in real time as you're, as you were watching that? And uh, I, I don't know, what, what would you think of a, of a person just wearing three watches? So just out, out in the world, does that make any sense? Or would you run away from that person thinking they're a sociopath? Well, people in this office sometimes are at two watches. So what's one more, you know? I, I mean, I think, one more is like, it's a lot. I think you kind of, it's, it's, a, lot. it's, it's a, it's a fashion choice. I mean, multiple watches are in. Didn't we see Julia, Julia Fox, Fox in her watch miniskirt? That's true. That's yeah. what I was that I thought of Ken immediately when I saw that Julia Fox look. But, um, I mean, I think it's like, I would be like, huh, that's an, that's an interesting choice to wear three watches. But like, again, in this heightened world of like uber masculinity and patriarchy, I think it's not such a far stretch to believe that Ken would want to wear three watches. Three gold watches, three, if I remember correctly. At, yeah, at least one or two. Yeah. Um, and also that was when he comes out with the three watches, that was the scene where he has the fur jacket on mm -hmm. and everything, right? I'm curious, like, um, because that's a reference to like the Rocky movie. Yeah. I was reading about that online yeah. and I know in that movie he's wearing like a Rolex, but I, I was like, was he wearing three? I had to go look, but I never, no conclusion there. I don't think so. I think it was more, well, I love that whole, the dialogue there, just like the writing of that part where he's like, someone even asked me for the time and some off screen Ken goes, no way. And Ryan Gosling just goes way like that <laughs> writing. That was like one of my favorite moments in the movie, just because of like how spot on, like I believed that dialogue for Ken so hard. Um, but it's also funny. Like, so I, I wear a watch a lot now, most of the time, but sometimes when I'm like working and I have my laptop and I don't like, you know, a bracelet or a strap, like scratching on the edge of my laptop or whatever. So I'll take it off or I'll leave the house without one or whatever. I have not real, like I didn't realize in my life pre-worn and wound how often I was asking people what time it was. And it's humiliating yeah. now that I work at a watch company to ask what time it is, but it's true. Like to know the time is like, gives you a little bit of power like Absolutely. in some sense. I mean, without the time, you're free, but with the time, you have some power. <laughs> so I just thought that was like a really brilliant little moment of like, of being asked what time it was. Yeah. I don't know. I loved that piece. And definitely. Um, I literally cannot think of a time in the last like 10 years where I've asked someone for the time ever. Like it's just, it would never <laughs> occur to me because I'm always wearing a watch or I always have my phone on me um but uh yeah it's like you never hear people asking um like does anyone have a camera on them like that's something i used to hear a lot mm -hmm. like in college you know but like now everyone's got a camera on them because everyone's got a phone a smartphone in their pocket yeah. so yeah yeah um what other scenes are are kind of like favorites of yours there's a bunch of big set pieces in the movie i'm wondering what what stood out to the two of you I mean, personally, I have to say, um, seeing weird Barbie was really exciting for me. Um, that's another thing that I feel like is that fine line. It could have gone really wrong, but weird Barbie's like presented wearing these like 
higher fashion pieces that are still really silly and like they're weird. Um, but it's still like a great look and great representation. And every little girl has a weird Barbie, like at least one weird Barbie. And you all know her and she is in the basement and she does smell kind of like musty or something. Um, but for me, that introduction was probably one of my one of my favorites. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah. that and that's Kate McKinnon, of course, playing weird Barbie, who's like just hysterical in the in the movie. Yeah. I love just like the little details of that character, like being in the splits, because, of course, like, I mean, and I think, too, like something about weird Barbie as like the character and the idea in real life you know i definitely had barbies where i cut their hair off and like colored on them and the whole whole thing but i think that's also like part of the departure from what barbie was in initially created for which was like this perfect look this obviously absolutely wacko proportioned body um you know the perfectly coiffed hair which like you know, I used to get my Barbie's hair wet and it wouldn't, you know, their hair would still be perfectly curled and coiffed. Like there was this sort of rejection of that femininity of that idea by like destroying her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that feels like if, if the theme of this movie is sort of like the gener- generation generations of women and how representation of women changes throughout the generations and how we sort of meld the two or, or or sort of reconcile both. I think weird Barbie is like the perfect center of like the Venn diagram of then and now. And weird Barbie is also like the wise one, the, like the, (laughs) the wise old witch sort of character, because I think she's seen she obviously at some point was a Barbie, like a st- more of a stereotypical Barbie. And now she's because of her appearance has changed is like this seeing the world through yeah. a different lens, even. Yeah. She's, she reminds me of, okay, well actually can I pivot to like two moments that I loved? Yeah. Like they were very yes, polarizing please. moments Absolutely. for some people. Okay. So, the first moment that I was like, oh, I'm I'm like, I liked this movie. I was having fun watching this movie, but now I'm like bought in like I am sold was the moment where Barbie they've been arrested twice. They didn't have money. She's in her phenomenal like cowgirl outfit, the pink. And she's sitting on, on a bench outside of the jail waiting for a bus and she's sitting with an older woman and there's this sort of montage of life, you know, kids playing and trees rustling and birds singing and, you know, a couple fighting and some people laughing and one person like pondering alone. And she looks at this older woman sitting next to her and she says, you're like, you're so beautiful or something. And the woman just looks at her and goes, I know, and has like a little laugh. Like that moment to me was so touching I know a lot of people that I've talked to about it were like, oh, that was such a cheesy, like, come on moment. But to me, that was so like only Greta Gerwig could have pulled that off, in my opinion. I loved that moment. It made my eyes water. Oh, Who said that? That's crazy. <laughs> Whoever said that that was corny. They're crazy. <laughs> I just thought that was like such a 
it's important to show the representation of a like older women in general who very rarely like get screen time in a movie like this but certainly seeing her be like yeah i know i'm beautiful like i don't need i appreciate the compliment but i don't need that affirmation like i know that and they shared a little laugh like i loved that moment the other moment i loved was when Helen Mirren as the narrator has the little aside to the audience. That's like when Barbie's um, depressed depressed or whatever. <laughs> and she's like, I'm ugly. And her little aside to the being like, note to the filmmakers, don't cast Margot Robbie if you want to make this point. Yeah, and I great. have to believe that voiceover was added. Obviously, I, I don't think it was written into the script they must have had to add that in post knowing that like margot robbie's the most beautiful woman in the world and even if she's crying she's like somehow more beautiful so just that little like self-awareness and this that sort of self-reference in the movie i i really loved yeah no that's it both of those um both of those sequences that you point out are, are little moments um are great i love the way that the movie um, kind of like breaks the fourth wall at times. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, again, like it's re- it's really subversive. I think it's something that, like as you point out, is um, like a particular skill of Greta Gerwig's, um, and it's like very much kind of like within her like style of of writing and her style of of comedy um, to sort of like make those observations as a, as a filmmaker, sort of like the filmmaker's voice, um, you know, like coming into the narrative in a in a way that mm-hmm. um, I think she's you know, particularly, um, great at any other. So uh, one thing I wanted to make sure we're talking about Greta Gerwig, uh, I, I, I just really want to like, make sure that people like understand what a like massive, uh, like particularly writing talent, like she is. Mm-hmm. Um, have you guys seen, uh, Francis Ha or, or Greenberg, yeah. or any of the other movies that she's had a role in writing? I've seen, I haven't seen Greenberg, but I've seen Francis Ha was like, one of those movies I discovered in college and was like, oh, I know things about the world now. I've seen <laughs> Francis Hahn, black, you know, I've, I'm into black and white film now. Um, yeah. Francis Ha is a, um, is one of the like best movies of the last 20 years. I think like it's, it's Noah Baumbach's masterpiece, I think. Uh, and, uh, you know, she, you know, Greta Gerwig's performance uh, is great in that. And um, like you, if you watch Barbie and Francis Ha kind of like back to back, which I had a chance to do after seeing Barbie the first time, like you really see um, like how Greta Gerwig's like you, re- you see like uh, similarities and like the, the beats of her humor, um, you know, in, yeah. in both of those movies. So like if anyone listening hasn't seen Francis Ha, uh, but enjoyed Barbie, um, I think that it's uh, definitely one that's worth seeking out. Absolutely. And shameless plug also just for Lady Bird and Little Women, two yep. great films. Yep, both I fantastic. saw Lady Bird with my mom. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Strength upon you both. <laughs> um, any other we're running a little short on time, but I just wanted the, any other like straight observations on 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 Barbie um, or your experiences with this movie or, or thoughts that you wanted to um, wanted, wanted to get on get on time on screen. Yeah, I think like the thesis of this whole film kind of comes in a line that Ruth and 
and Barbie are talking at the very end of the movie when they're sort of outside of time and space. Mm -hmm. They're like in the big white vastness and they're talking about spoiler if Barbie is going to become human and um, Ruth, the character says something like, you know, the world is uncomfortable, so uncomfortable that people come up with things like Barbie and patriarchy to like get by. And to me, that is like exactly the thesis of this film. It's like, it's hard for everyone. We have these ways and these ideas that we try to use to, to get through and to cope with the painful parts of life. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, obviously we know <laughs> that pa patriarchy, I think is like born out of a lot of pain and fear and et cetera, but I don't need to like evangelize on this podcast. Um, but like, I can imagine Ruth Handler creating this aspirational world for her daughter by by making Barbie. And I think that's like a testament of its time as absolutely. well. Yeah. 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 I mean, one Nina, of my favorite hello. moments too was um, at the end, you know, when she is a real person and oh she goes God. to make, she shows up to her gynecologist appointment. <laughs> like, yeah. so funny. It was so good. Just like drove the, the whole point home. <laughs> mm -hmm. My theater, when I saw this movie opening weekend, obviously the theater was packed and just the, like the uproarious laughter at that like final line mm -hmm. just was, um, was great. Just because uh, like, it's obviously it's set up so like you think, She's going for like a job interview, you know, yeah. perhaps. And, right. Um, the reveal that it's a, a gynecologist appointment. And like the the like expression on Margot Robbie's face and just the way she delivers that line is just like is great. Yeah. And then you have the credits. No one's that, ever been that excited to see the gynecologist. <laughs> yeah, no, no one. <laughs> hysterical. It's hysterical. Um, well, Nellie and Nina, it's been so much fun to talk to you guys about. Barbie, like really one of the most um, like fun movies to talk about that I think has been, you know, released in a long time. Like it's really, um, you know, there's, there's so much to like to pick over um, in this movie. It's a really rich text and I'm glad uh, that we were able to talk about it on time on screen. Um, so thank you both uh, for coming on the, on the podcast. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. This was so fun. Yes, I was so excited to do this one. So thank you so much for having me. No, it's my pleasure. It's great to have you both uh, come back anytime. I uh, would love to hear uh, all of your uh, hottest takes about Barbie or any other uh, movie. We'll definitely have you have you both back on uh, at some point. Um, until then, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, download uh, our, our our podcast wherever you get podcasts like it and subscribe and all of that stuff we'll leave notes for everything uh in the show notes thanks a lot and uh, we'll see you next time 